Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. It's the, uh, it's the earliest parts of the morning that are the toughest. It's dark, it's damp, and he lays there on his cot in this small dungeon in this little cell, just praying for light. As it's slowly going to come up and begin to cast shadows through the bars in his cell. It's, it should be a good day today. We've heard that there's two new people that have just come in that'll, that'll kind of change the conversation, the monotony of every day as they get to hear new stories from the outside world. In the morning, they open up the cells and let people walk around and have conversation and people connect with these two new inmates that we've just heard of. He lays there and prays for the sun to come up and realizes once again that these big dreams that he had as a young boy have continued to turn into some kind of nightmare. He'll go and talk to these two new people. He's been put in charge of them. He's the chief inmate. It's not, it's not like the best town in the world. It's not what everybody wants, but it's the best he can do in that circumstance. And they'll open a door and begin to change his life in a totally new way. But he won't see it yet. But we will. As the sun continues to come up and begins to cast its shadows down the cobblestone hallway of the corridor, he begins to start his routine. As he peels himself up off of his small cot and walks over and grabs that object and begins to scratch into the wall another tally mark. As the camera pans back, we can see that it's got marks from the top about a third of the way down. And as it pans back even further, we can see the wall on the right and in the back are already filled. I've already done the math for you. I used a calculator, so you don't have to worry. 4,015 marks on the wall. And today is 4,016. 4,016 days since he last had his freedom. And after he does that, he'll begin his journey as he does every day down the hall to attend to those he oversees. See, we're talking about the story and the life of Joseph. Yes, the technicolored one, right? The one that has the beautiful jacket of colors, but we find him now in a pit, in a dungeon of despair. 4,016 days since he's last had freedom. This was the amazing Joseph in the technicolored dream coat. <laughs> Not like the play, huh? We find ourselves in the first book of the Bible. If you want to come and open your own flat screen, if you will, and follow with me, we're going to live in the chapter 40 today. These first 39 chapters, we've gotten to see how God created, not by accident, but on purpose. And then over time, begins to use, use broken people for his work. In these last 12 chapters of this first book of the Bible, it's like the Bible screams out to us, here's somebody who gets it right. Here's somebody who understands this character. And as the rest of the Bible and the story goes, as we see, we continue to see God's hope as he continues to use broken and hurting people to do powerful and magnificent things. We're going to see an example today of what God does in a person's life who's faithful. 
This story is for all of us in this room today that is hurting or lost and is not really sure what you're supposed to do about it. You say, not my plan, but yours, because this wasn't my plan. I don't know where you've been for the last 11 years, the last 4,016 days, or even the last week, or even the last day, and what's gone on in your life. But for some of you here today, I, hope, I pray that you can open yourselves up and just catch a glimpse of this story and the character we can use in circumstances that we have now and circumstances that we're bound to have in the future. So if you follow along with me, we're going to start in chapter 40 of the first book of the Bible in Genesis. It's right in the beginning of the Bible. You're only going to go to like a couple pages in. It says this, verse 1, sometime later, comma, stop. <laughs> What's sometime later? Let me catch you up. I'm going to spend a little time on three words. I know. It's going to be fun. So sometime later, what does that mean? Well, right now it's 4,016 days, right? These tally marks on the wall. But it goes back further than that. Specifically, the story of Joseph in these 12 chapters that were dedicated to him. Sometime later, we're going to just take you back over maybe with Abraham. First, there was Abraham and Isaac. If you haven't heard that story, it's a fantastic story uh, to read. From Isaac comes Jacob. And Jacob, we heard last week, steals a birthright. He runs away. He goes and gets married, uh, has multiple kids with multiple different women. Uh, But Joseph comes from his favorite wife. Yes, his favorite. That's a different story. That's a problem. We'll talk about that sometime later. So Joseph is his favorite because it's with his favorite wife. He has 10 older brothers. He has one younger brother named Benjamin who came from Rachel, his favorite wife, Jacob's favorite wife as well. And we find that Joseph is treated like the favorite. He's given this technicolor dream coat, this, this colorful coat that is a semblance of his father's love for him and as being the favorite. And just as you would think, the rest of the brothers hate him because of this. I don't like you. First of all, you're like the baby. You're the, one of the youngest and your dad's favorite. You don't have to do anything. We're out working. You're dreaming, right? So when he is 17 years old, he has these dreams. In fact, he has two dreams. In his first dream, he comes out to tell his brothers, and he's like, brothers, I had this awesome, crazy dream last night. I had this dream that there's this sheath of wheat and grain, and I, I rose up in the middle, and all these other sheaths that you bowed down to me. And they went, this is why we hate you. You really think we're going to bow down to you? Who are you? And he's like, oh, it was a tremendous dream. And then and another time he comes back to him and says, oh, I, there's even a better dream, another dream like this. This time there was the sun and the moon and there were stars and even that dad. Dad, and there was even the sun and the moon. They bowed down to me. And his dad, who loved him the most, said, you're pushing it, son. I love you the most, but we're going to do what with you? Keep dreaming. So at 17, one day he got sent out to check on his older brothers who continually says, why are you home dreaming when we're out here working? And he goes out to check on him. He sees him coming from a distance and they say, we're like over it. Let's kill him. And another one has an idea. Better yet, let's make money off of him. So when he came out there, they took him and they threw him into a cistern, a pit, an empty cistern, and they sold him off to slavery. So he went from these huge grandeur dreams where people are going to bow down to me to suddenly he's in a dungeon, he's in a pit of life with nowhere to go and doesn't know what happened. And he's sold uh, to a slave trade train on his way to Egypt. And when he gets there, he's sold to a man named Potiphar. Everybody say Potiphar. Potiphar. That was just fun to say it. So everyone, I wanted to make sure you guys all had a chance. So he's sold to a guy named Potiphar, the chief of the guard, 
And eventually he works his way up to chief slave. Again, not the best title that everybody wants to have, but in the circumstance, it's an awesome uh, job. So he's put in charge of everything and God's blessing everything that he's touching and doing. And Potiphar is seeing that. He's starting to see his character and the way that he's serving his household. Now, Potiphar has a wife and she begins to notice Joseph because he's young. He's a good looking guy. One day, maybe she sees him out with his shirt off, washing the chariot out in the driveway, desperate housewife style. (laughs) Begins to take notice in him. And starts to call on his name. No one's ever denied her before. Why would he now? He's just a slave. And time after time after time after time again, Joseph denies her. He stays away from her. And so one day, upset as to why a slave would do this to me, no one denies me. She pretty much just jumps his bones, gets a hold of his jacket. He takes off, leaves his jacket behind in embarrassment that this just happened with a slave. She screams rape. Potiphar comes back, infuriated and enraged with anger. He didn't do what he should have done in that day and day in the law. And uh, the land of Egypt was to chop his head off as a Hebrew slave. He put him into prison. And so this is where we now find the life of Joseph sometime later. So sometime later, comma, continue. The cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with the two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and he put them into the custody of the house of the captain of the guard in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended to them. So as I'm sitting there reading this, I'm like, oh, what'd they do? Right? You're sitting there like, I want to know what juice they got into. Like, what did they do to get in so much trouble where... Two of like the most trusted individuals in the kingdom, and this time one of the largest kingdoms and, and rulers of the world at that time, are in jail. They're in trouble. They have like the most important jobs. They make the food in which the pharaoh or the king eats, and they give it to him. So I can only imagine what happened one day is the chief taster tasted some bread and went, fell over, and they said, hey, it was either the baker or it was the guy who brings it to him. So you're both in jail until we figure it out. So now these two end up in prison. And I never caught it before. Did you catch it? I never caught this before. In verse 3 it says, And put them in the custody of the house of the captain of the guard, in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended to them. Now let me just jump back so you can get a little reference. Jump back one chapter. It might be on the same page. It might be on a different one. In chapter 39, the first verse, Now Joseph, this is after he's been sold into slavery, had been taken to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian, who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. This is an example of his character. Now hold on one second. Stop taking notes because this isn't Bible. This is Larry. So, This is what I think is going on. It's super interesting to me. I never noticed this before. But you have Joseph who's sold to one of Pharaoh's officials, officials, the captain of the guard. And all I can tell and figure out is there's one. And I think that what really happened was Potiphar kind of knew about his desperate housewife. And he had seen the way God worked in and moved in everything that he had and everything that he touched in in his area, in his home and taking care of those things. And I think that's maybe why he didn't kill him, because he knew his character, and that's not something that he would do. And so he put him in his prison where he worked during the day, and then he rose up there 
and was put in charge to make his prison good. It's totally hilarious. It's not a Bible. It's not in there. It's not confirmed. But I find that super fascinating how God can use this circumstance and we can continue to see how it doesn't just happen, but it's, a, it's him weaving this together in his story and how he's used. And it's a tremendous account to Joseph's character. You have to have character have that position. So continuing on, it says, After they had been in custody for some time, each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, were being held in prison, had a dream the same night. And each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials who were in custody with him in his master's house, why do you look so sad today? (laughs) See, maybe that's like a weird question. I mean, these guys are in jail, right? They just got put into jail. Now you're like, hey, buddy, what's wrong? (laughs) You've been in here for way too long, buddy. Right? (laughs) What's going on right now? He sees them, but he sees through them. And not the situation that they're in, but the situation that they're in. Chew on that one for a minute. (laughs) And this is where I want to point out three key things we learn about our character and Joseph's character in this chapter and in this circumstance. And the first one is this. You fill it in. Any title or position that he had is used to serve others. A huge piece of our character is that any title or position that we have should be used to serve others. You know, he was like in a, in a not cool spot. Four th- 11 years, 4,016 days, he's been in a pit and in a dungeon and saved slavery, but yet... In his position or title, he still used that time to serve others. They said in verse 8, We both had dreams, they answered, but no one's here to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, In my dream I saw a vine in front of me. On the vine were three branches. As soon as it budded, it blossomed. And its clusters ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes. I squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said. <laughs> I love that. It wasn't like, ah, oh, that's interesting. Let me think. This is what I think, he's, I think that's what this means. No, he says it with confidence. This is what this means. God's giving me this talent, this gift, this time right now. I'm going to tell you what this means with confidence. This is what this means, said Joseph. Three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position. You will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, as just as you did, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But, verse 14, but, highlight, underline, circle. When all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off in the land of Hebrews, and even here I've done nothing wrong to deserve being put in the dungeon. <sighs> So, this is what this means. Let me tell you, you're going to get out. But remember me when you get out and remember what I've done for you. See, he's faithful. He's not a fruitcake. He's spiritual. He's not stupid. He says, this is what God's telling me in your dream right now. And don't forget me because you're getting out in three days. Don't forget me. He doesn't just sit there and say, you know, this is just where I'm at. This is what's going to happen and God's going to figure it out. See, we have this Christianity today that says, oh, if I just have faith, I can sit back in the recliner and God's going to move me from point A to point B to point C. 
Just have faith and sit back, and he's going to take you on a journey wherever you're supposed to be. If prison's where I'm supposed to be, that's where I'm going to be. No! Where all throughout Scripture, you continually see God steering people rather than moving people. When I was younger, I had to come to a decision in my life. I had been in Bible college for a little bit of time and, and then was having to come to a decision. It is full-time ministry, kind of like what I'm doing now. Is this what I'm supposed to do with my life? Is this my calling or is it something else? And so I stopped. I stopped everything. I like stopped the car. <laughs> and I sat there and I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Where am I supposed to go? God's going to move. And in one week, three people spoke specifically into my life about this. And one person, I remember this one last night, it was a late night. Um, I just met him through a friend of mine. And he said this very specific thing to me that stood out to me. He said, Larry, it's really hard for God to steer a car that's not moving. Right? He can't steer it really well when it's parked. Awesome analogy. Wow. Really deep. (laughs) You think? And then I started thinking about it. So many times in our Christian lives, we come to this time of decisions and we stop. We say, God, which way do you want me to go? And then we turn off the ignition. God, will you just give me a direction? And then we put on the e-brake. God, will you just open the door? And then we get out of the car and we're, we're wondering, where's God been? Why isn't he moving me to where he's supposed to be moving to me? And we look outside the door and we see that God's been moving the steering wheel back and forth. And all we see is those little tire marks in the ground where the wheels just moved back and forth. See, God's looking for people that are going to be faithful in their situation. Because he says, we, you know what you need to do. Move. And maybe through that motion and stepping out in faith, I can steer you in a direction. Move. Don't just sit. God says, don't just sit there. Just move so I can steer you in a direction. And Joseph gets this. Now I'm going to kick open the door. You're moving. You're going. You're walking through this room and you're serving others in your position. You're not just sitting there going, oh man, I'm in prison. And counting your tally marks every day. He's moving through it. He's serving others in his circumstance. And now he says, now I'm going to kick open the door. And now you're going to get your freedom. Remember me. And notice this. He doesn't rip his brothers. You know, that's the easiest thing you would think he could do. You know, he doesn't rip his brothers. He doesn't complain about Potiphar's wife in the situation. Because he's not consumed with bitterness. That's so important. He's not consumed with bitterness in a circumstance. He knows he's got a raw deal. He knows there's injustice. He wants out of the situation. He doesn't want to be in there. He had big dreams. Well, if prison's where God wants me, if God doesn't want me to have a job, must not want me to have a job right now. No way. He's been ripped off. He wants out. And he's not bitter about it. And we know this not just because it doesn't say he's not bitter about it, but we know this because he's serving others. We've all found in life that when someone is bitter and consumed with how they've been wronged, they're not in a place where they can help others. They're just not. I don't think he's bitter because in the morning he wakes up and he walks down the hall and he serves others. He looks at them and says, what's going on? Not... You know, I know you're here, but what's going on? Something's bugging you. You all right? How are you doing? 
Bitterness isn't just a cancer that eats us from the inside out. It will keep you from investing in others. And most of the time, in others is where we find our answer and what we were made for. In verse 16, it says, When the chief baker saw Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said, I had a dream too. Hey, wait, that was a really good, I had a dream. I'm next. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh. But the birds were eating out of them, out of the basket on my head. This is what it means. Again, with confidence, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head. Wait a minute, you said up, right? Like the other guy? Up his head, lift up his head. No, I said off. What? In three days, he will lift off your head and impale your body on a pole. Oh. And the birds will eat at your flesh. Wow. What? (laughs) So number two, character. Commit to telling the truth regardless of the outcome. Wow, thank you. That's a tough one. Have you ever like sat there and I totally wondered, why did he just do that to him? I mean, he could have just listened to it and been like, huh, that was tough. Let me get back to you in a couple days. (laughs) Right? Looking out for him or like, uh, let me pray about that one for a minute. Birds, like little rascals. That one's one's a little tougher. (laughs) No. (laughs) Commit to telling others the truth regardless of the outcome. Why did he do that? He said, I don't interpret the dreams. He said, the interpretation's from God, but what's your dream? This is the deal. This is what he said. I'm going to do God's word when it's good, and I'm going to do God's word even when it's not so good. And that's a tough decision we make in life. That's character. I'm going to do God's word when it's all lovey-dovey and lammy Jesus, and I'm going to do God's word when it's not so good, when it's tough questions. And, I'm, and there's a tough answer. See, Joseph told, us, told his brothers about his dream in a little bit of a wrong way, and, it's, and it got them sold. They sold him. Joseph stood for truth in the midst of Potiphar's wife, and it cost him prison. Some of you guys work or will work with someone who's going to ask you to be deceitful or do something that's not so right, that's not so good. Some of you guys are going to find yourself in a place where you're told this is how you're going to do it. This is how you're going to do the bills. This is how you're going to run the books. This is what you're going to say to this person. This is how we're going to treat this. This is how we're going to talk about them. This is how we're going to talk about people when they're not around. And you're going to have a choice to make. Do you have the courage to stand in confidence like Joseph did? And we're finding that a guy at just 28 is a whole lot different than the 17-year-old. And God's beginning to say, now I think you're ready. You know, in the beginning, he had big dreams. People were going to bow down to me. It's going to be good. And God said, oh, wait a minute. You have the right dream. You have the wrong kingdom. You need to understand who the king is first. That's not you. So we're going to have a little lesson in character for the next 13 years. I have to admit it, I really would like cupbearer Christianity. I mean, who wouldn't? To get an answer in three days? God, what job should I have? Help me find a job. Three days. God, I got to move. Where should I move? I can't find a house. Who doesn't want cupbearer Christianity in three days to have an answer? But yet we most times find ourselves in lessons of character, in long dungeons and 
in places that we're like, wow, this, is, this isn't my plan, but this is yours? Have you ever realized how frustrating it must have been for Joseph? Because watch what happens in three days. Verse 20. Now the third day was Pharaoh's birthday. He gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of his officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position so that once again he could put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he impaled the chief baker just as Joseph had said to him in his interpretation. Verse 23. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. I want you to understand like, how bad this really is. <laughs> so we're going to flip the page and just look at one little verse of, verse, uh, of the first verse of chapter 41. Verse, uh, chapter 41, verse 1. When two full years had passed. What? Two more years. Here's what your dream is. Remember me. And he goes, and it happens just like he said. And I'm sure as he... Scratched in day 4,019. He probably walked with a little bigger pep in his step. <laughs> it's going to be a good day. You're getting out of here. He's going to tell him about me, and I'm getting out. Next thing you know, it's 4,025. 4,037. 4,252. Can you imagine what that must have been like? Have you ever trusted somebody and uh, trusted somebody and they didn't like do exactly what they were supposed to do? Uh, you know, I've, I've totally done that. You trust somebody and you're like, don't do this. Well, um, so I have a friend, uh, mom, she's a mom and uh, she totally trusts her kids, right? R- don't do that. <laughs> and so I have a friend who, uh, who I saw this video online and on this video she was, she was hanging out and her son was like, hey, do this little weird Bernie dance. If you don't know what Bernie dance, it's like this floppy, droppy thing, like a little rap music. If you've ever seen Weekend with Bernie, that's what it's supposed to be like. So he was like, hey, just do this. And she's like, no, you're so weird. Why are you making me do this? I don't even know what this is. What do you want me to be, do? And then she tells him, don't you be putting this on Facebook. Don't put this on Instagram. Don't put this on nothing. She trusts him. And he's like, oh, no, I won't. No social media, right? Well, guess what I found online? Okay, you gotta put both arms back. Don't put it on Instagram. I'm not. I'm not putting it on any network. You look like a naked. Okay, put the put that down. Put that down. And you you gotta go like this. You gotta go. You're so weird. Wait 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 wait. Put arms back. That is pure gold. She trusted that boy, and he's dead. Just want to let you know it already happened. (laughs) Oh, yeah, so be careful who you trust. Because then you're in on the internet, or you're waiting two more years, right? Two years have passed. You know what? 
I really wish we could have cupbearer Christianity. And you know what? Kind of in a way we do. We can. Because see, there was a guy named Jesus. And in three days, he was buried and he rose. And he rose from the dead so that he could lift us up out of the place we are. And that we could be at the king's birthday party. And he could lift us up in front of all everyone else and be there a part of what he's doing in eternity. We get to have that because sometimes we are. We're in a dungeon. And we're in rough places. And we're not sure how that plan goes, but because of Jesus, we can have hope and know that we will be lifted up and our heads won't be lifted off. And we can have an eternity with a grace-filled, loving king who will get rid of all that stuff. Would you bow your heads with me? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California. California.